We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my good friend, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's popping? We've got more Nets news. Exactly what I like to hear. And as always, quick reminder, you can find the show iTunes, Block Talk Radio, Basketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Also, head to Design Tree. Grab yourself a Brooklyn Buzz t-shirt. Also, just drop the Sean Marks one. I think you guys will find uh, pretty funny. But Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. So we'll start with DeAndre Jordan, Nick, who spoke to uh, Gothamist uh, and in relation to Kevin Durant and the free agency decision. So uh, this is relating to the free agency decision. Not to knock the culture the Knicks are creating, but we like what Nets coach Kenny Atkinson uh, is doing and GM Sean Mark's been awesome for the organization from top to bottom, has been great. So you want to be a part of something like that, especially when you have a chance to play with other great players and build something. I think that just tells you that players have taken note of what the Nets are doing as an organizational standpoint, then also what Sean Marks has done. And then the most importantly, I think what Kenny Atkinson has done, him getting a shout out and players kind of wanting to play for a guy like Kenny, I think screams a lot about the Nets franchise. Yeah, and, and obviously he wasn't besmirching the Knicks at all, but there's been rumblings that DeAndre didn't necessarily like. Well, he wasn't as enamored um, with his time in in, Brook- in New York and Manhattan as he would be um, heading to Brooklyn just down the borough. Uh, so I think that those are all positive things. You know, the fact that he shouted out specifically Coach Kenny and, and, and Sean Marks and the, the culture overall, I think he, you know, people were sort of saying, you know, from left, right and center, from people outside of sort of the Nets Twitter sphere, it's like, well, who cares about culture? Who cares about culture? It's just culture. Well, culture's got us, you know, three of the, the top three agents and, you know, obviously DeAndre Jordan is part of that package. Um, and, you know, obviously DeAndre was a, a huge underlying point in all of that because he is so close with Kevin Durant. I don't think that, 
if you give that contract to to DeAndre Jordan, you know, I don't think you get Kevin Durant at the end of the day. Um, and if that's the price you're willing to pay, um, then then so be it. And I think that when you we've, we've spoken about this before, when you have uh, Kevin Durant and your friends around you, you you want to do better, you want to perform better, and you know he's got great coaches that I think can get more out of him. And Sean Marks, obviously, um, in Marks we trust, designtree.com, dsgntree.com, uh, for a pretty cool tee for that one as well. Yeah, 100% spot on. I think, obviously, DeAndre was a domino effect. Like, you got him and it helped bring in the other guys. And the fact is that it didn't go so smoothly with the Knicks and MSG. Definitely helped the case because we know KD has talked to Jordan about his free agent decisions in the past, and I'm sure he did it this year as well, and kind of gave him that inside info. And then, obviously, you had Kyrie, who was communicating with Spencer Dinwiddie, finding out more information, and all that information from Jordan Kyrie's going back to KD, who obviously is a top free agent, you know, whatever, unless you want to say Kawhi. And now, all of a sudden, the culture helps bring it in. And like you said, when the Nets first talked about culture, people are like, no one cares about culture. Well, hey, it worked for the Nets and I think a lot of other teams. And you could argue it worked for the Clippers, too. And a lot of rebuilding teams are going to look at that moving forward. They certainly are. They're trying to build something similar in New Orleans, Atlanta, all those other teams. But uh, Crimson Strike and Nicholas, before we get on to uh, the next uh, few topics, uh, people are starting to read some articles thinking that we might lose Karras next season. People pointing out the redundancy factor, too many ball handlers. Our focus apparently, uh, according to these people, that we should focus on Joe Harris instead. Um, obviously, with um, so what are your thoughts and opinions on this? Uh, probably no chance. First off, even if the Nets felt like they were going to, they didn't want to retain Karis LeVert, it would make almost no sense for them to not re-sign him unless they got like a crazy sign-and-trade offer. But I think Karis LeVert, we mentioned it, Katie has interest playing with him. He's already developing a relationship with Kyrie. And Sean and Kenny view Karis as like their baby. Like he's the first guy they brought in. He's the first guy they started to develop. And he's done everything they've wanted. And he's been a big part of that culture. And I think his character plays a big impact on the Nets organization and it's going to play a big impact in that locker room. And I'd be devastated. And I'm sure like a lot of Nets teammates would be pretty upset about it too, because he just seems like a very lovable guy. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the good thing from his individual perspective is because this, you know, the next free agency class is so weak, you know, him and Buddy Heald as restricted free agents are probably the two most attractive free agents in that class in general, just off the top of my head. You know, there aren't many sort of superstars as there was this year. You know, 2021 uh, is when it gets a little more spicy and juicy. So I think the Nets will certainly be looking at in maybe a similar sort of vein to Spencer Dinwiddie at re-signing him, extending him at a certain point. It's certainly a story to watch though, because, um, you know, I think they would do everything in their power to retain him. Uh, but it, plenty of funny things could happen in the NBA and Karis Levert deserves uh, a decent extension. And you know, if he proves it up to a point in December, January, then I think he'll get a, a pretty hefty extension uh, that he deserves. Obviously, you know, the, the cap um, and how it works, you're sort of solidifying yourself to this core uh, if you do re-sign Karis Levert, but I don't think that's a bad thing either. And I think you look at the Nets as like, they're not going to have cap flexibility to bring in more players for the future years until, you know, Katie, Kyrie, and DeAndre are off the book. So you almost are forced to retain him because you want to keep the assets you have in terms of a young player. And like we talked about, I think it would make sense kind of like in the Spencer Dinwiddie situation to get ahead of it before you have to go to, to free agency because someone will send him an offer sheet. Like someone's going to have a lot of space. Who knows? Like the Knicks could have a lot of space and be like, hey, we want to offer Karis Levert a big offer sheet. And then you just like can't let him go. And then you maybe have to slightly overpay. So I think it would be smart to get that extension done sooner than later. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And on the same sort of point, 
Um, he's jumped in again, Crimson. Think Karras can work off the ball well enough when KD comes back. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big focus for him this year. You know, we've seen him working on the shooting a little bit and this, the limited videos we've seen of him. But we talked about on the last show, defensively is a major skill that he can pick up and become a really good defender. And he's still a good transition player. He can still cut off ball. You know, he probably is one of the better cutters on the Nets when it terms of ability to finish. He still has that slashing ability. So I think the one thing that's going to determine if he's a really good off-ball player will be, you know, his off-ball movement and his three-point shooting. If he can get that to a higher level, he'll have no issue fitting in with Kyrie and KD. Yeah, he's been putting in work with his boy Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, we've seen plenty of Instagram videos. It's obviously a positive thing to see. But the final comment from our DeAndre Jordan in relation to Kevin Durant's recovery before we move on to some other uh, Nets news. Uh, we've got a lot of talent on this team. You know, obviously Kevin had a tough injury. He's going to be out for a while. But he's progressing great. He's recovering fast and will be even better when we get him back and healthy. Positive stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you expect from a best friend. That's like... You know, it just kind of just has that vibe to it. But I mean, KD has looked pretty good. Like he looks like he's in, he looks a little bit like uh, more muscular than we've seen in the past. I don't know if it's just like the lighting in the pictures, but he's putting in work. And we, like we talked about, one reason we have confidence in him getting back to an extremely high level is because of his work ethic and the mentality he has being in love with basketball. Yeah, definitely. I think that he, you know, shows you know, we expect him to come back at, at some form or close to his, himself. But, you know, he looks good. He's repping the, the Nets basketball when he's, you know, hanging around in the pool. Um, wherever he is in LA, boy, oh boy, does it look beautiful. Um, need to get me an invite, Katie. I'll sign <laughs> those DMs. I'll hit you up, my dude. Um, but we'll move on to some Summer League sort of notes, Nick. And you posted these uh, on your Twitter, at OTG Nick. Um, and I'll pick out probably the ones that stick out the most. Um so uh, this was an, an opposing executive on the Nets summer. Hard to hate on them. They paid DeAndre too much, but whatever. They helped them get Kyrie and Kevin. This year will be a transition year anyway, but I think they'll be pretty good. Next year, if KD is back, look out. I think that's the same vibe we have. And just a quick shout out to Keith Smith, who I did get these summer league notes from. He's excellent in terms of like low-key, very good reporter for the NBA if you want some info. But back to the topic. Yeah, I mean, we look at this year, it's a progress. They're trying to progress, but next year when KD's fully healthy, that's when this team's going to be really good. And you, you'll see guys on this roster, and we talked about it on a show with Nick Kuvalo comparing the Raptors to the Nets. A lot of these guys are going to take a jump, and this is another year for them to get better. So when KD returns, they'll be closer to the best versions of themselves. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, you know, stuff to watch there. Um, speaking to a Nets coach on the additions, uh, we should be pretty good. We have competition up and down the roster. That's what we're all about. No one gets a free roster spot here. That keeps us hungry and working. Love that. Yeah, and I think that gives credit also to Sean Marks for getting a ton of good NBA players in the team where, hey, guys are going to be fighting for rotation minutes. You know, you have a couple clear-cut starters, but other guys, like, there's going to be a battle for that power forward spot. There's probably going to be a battle for that three spot. The center position, there's going to be a battle for. And then the rest of the minutes, like, there's a lot of guys that can contribute to this team. It'll be interesting to see who gets minutes and how they kind of dictate that. Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, the competition within for roster spots can and rotation spots can, you know, to lead to sort of a toxic environment. But it, it seems to me that the the area of competition is sort of, you know, emphasized in Brooklyn and Coach Kenny and Shaw Marks. They built that sort of competitive culture uh, to bring out the best in each other. And I think that, you know, to an extent that it, that is definitely true. But I think there is a, a fine balance now with DeAndre, with Kyrie heading into next season. But I think that 
the fact that it's embedded, uh, it seems like a good thing. And, you know, who would know better than, you know, a Nets coach uh, exactly uh, on that. But uh, speaking of an opposing coach, uh, he spoke about on the addition of Kyrie and KD. Uh, I don't know. I love what they had built. Kyrie is a different dude. You have to build around him because he's not plug and play. KD is great, but he's hurt. And last year, we all thought Boston gets to add guys to that roster. And that didn't work out so great. So I guess we'll see. I mean, hey, I think it's fair to, you know, have some worries about the Nets roster. But I think the Nets feel pretty confident about Kyrie and what he can do and kind of his fit in the system from his own perspective. And then from the Nets perspective, you know, Kenny talked about, hey, I don't think the system's really going to change a ton. And I think like saying that Kyrie's not really a plug and play guy is kind of a little bit of just like a, a take. You know what I mean? Because like you've seen him play different roles. We saw him be the lead guy in Boston. We saw him be the second guy in Cleveland. We saw him play off ball. We've seen him play on ball. Obviously, there's some expectations for what he needs to do on the floor, but I think he can fit in different roles. I think that's a little bit of a hot take, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I think we'll get to some more Kyrie comments um, a little bit later, uh, but we do need to move on. Um, I am moving on to an opposing uh, Eastern Conference guard on the Nets. Um, they were already tough. Now you've got to defend Kyrie and others. Come on, man. And DeAndre Jordan will let you know he's there by dropping you with the screen. They're going to be good. They're going to be really good. I mean, I want to know who that guard is. <laughs> like, I really want to know, like, who who it is. You could literally probably look at, like, the Summer League and who was there because there's only so many players actually appeared there. Yeah, and it has to probably be someone pretty good, you would think. Like, most of the good guys are there. Like, you don't really see – I mean, you do see some of the lower-end talent there as well, but I'm intrigued by that. And I think it says positive things about the Nets. Like, they were already annoying last year to defend. Now you throw in Kyrie Irving, and then you throw in a great screen setter like DeAndre Jordan. Okay, yeah, like, I don't want to mess with the Nets. No, nah, that's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the pick and roll combinations with those two, especially. Um, it, it's certainly exciting times ahead. And the fact that, you know, they're already getting... Corey's, I think, revered by opposition players. You know, within the, the player ranks, I think he gets plenty of credit. And I think, you know, Kevin Durant is, is you know, the, the embodiment of that. Um, but the final comment via a team executive on the Kevin Durant uh, injury... There'll be no pressure for him to return even one day before he is ready. If anything, we'll hold him back. This isn't a one-year thing for us on Kevin. Uh, this is an agreement for four years at least. Big picture, we'll rule this one. It almost sounds like a statement from Sean Marks. Obviously, it sounds I, like literally Sean Marks. It does, right? Like just the way it's worded, it just sounds so Sean Marksy. But I mean, we have no way to confirm it really is him. But I think that's the way you look at it. Like you're not putting pressure on KD. You want him to come back when he's ready. I think if you don't put pressure on him, he's almost more likely to come back sooner than later. And like you said, it's a long process. This isn't about one year. This isn't about this season. This is about the next couple seasons and what they can do to change the view of the franchise and possibly win some championships. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, the KD situation is something that we will follow closely. But Nick, um, there's some rumors going around and, and people have been talking about, obviously, in the offseason, there's not many topics to talk about. But uh, the Nets uh, could be uh, appearing on Christmas Day uh, versus the Celtics versus the Knicks. What are your thoughts on uh, the Nets uh, bring some Christmas action? I think we kind of talked about this a little bit when the impact that Kyrie and KD would have on the Nets. You know, Kyrie might not be a top five player, but he's a top five brand. And you even see all the hype he's getting with a new drop for his Kyrie SpongeBob shoes. I think it makes sense to put the Nets on uh, Christmas because of the Kyrie attraction, especially to the younger audience. Like we know he connect, connects well with them. So getting the Nets a primetime matchup on Christmas, I think makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and I think that the history of the Nets appearing on Christmas isn't necessarily littered with you know many appearances. I think it's about nine times or so um, since 1979. Um, Last time they were on at Christmas, they got cooked, and I was pissed. <laughs> that 2013 it was uh the the kd i know kd the paul pierce and kg team yeah i think that it was 13 or 14 then you know um actually it might have been the year before now i'm getting confused or 12 yeah maybe 12 um i think that's literally when i started like a year before my nets fandom began but you know the i think that the lot who would you prefer to verse on on christmas day net celtics or nets Knicks? i think i prefer the celtics like i feel like There'd be an opportunity for a young chippy Knicks team to steal a game where I think like the Nets would be more prepared going against Boston. And it's also a bigger storyline, like Kyrie going against his former team on Christmas. Like there's some bad blood there. Like we know that some of the guys didn't get along. And I think there's a more competitive game in terms of like, hey, these two teams are going to be competing for playoff spots and division division spots. Yeah, I think that I would prefer to verse Boston and you know, I think obviously it would be more competitive and there's the storylines that that's going to be there. But, you know, the MSG factor, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they continue to be, I think largely they versed the Bucks, despite the fact that the Knicks were one of the worst teams, the Bucks were easily one of the best teams. You know, a, a Knicks-Nets sort of game on, on Christmas Day, you know, at MSG certainly um, wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. And if anything... Um, I think it almost might be that a little bit more likely, um, despite the fact that I would prefer prefer it to be the opposite. But um, we'll get to Trey Young, you know, a guard at Summer League, and people are jumping in the chat <laughs> saying that he could have been the guy that uh, dropped that that love to Kyrie and KD. But he's uh, very he's, chatty too. Like I would not be surprised if it was him. He's a good player. He uh, he might feature in our top fifty. Hint hint. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was speaking about uh, his former teammate and now Brooklyn Nets, uh, Torian Prince, and this is. Uh, some on-the-court comments. He can bring a lot. Torian is a tremendous player. He brings a lot of skill on the court with his ability to shoot and pass. He's very smart. I think that goes very underrated. He knows how to make plays and when to make plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not taking like a ton of this because I think Trey Young has a good understanding of like PR in the NBA. He wasn't ever going to come out and say something negative about Torian Prince. But I do, I guess I view it in somewhat of a positive light. Like he can do a lot of things on the floor. And it almost seems like he's hinting at like that maybe Atlanta didn't use him as much as they probably should have if they wanted to win games. Yeah, I think the for me the thing that sticks out is he knows how to make plays and when to make plays. Timing. And I think at timing and as a role player, uh, I think that that is almost the number one skill you need to have. Um, you need to know when it is your time, when to shoot the shot, when to pass. Um, obviously, Trey Young isn't going to say anything negative, and I think he built a nice relationship there. But you know. That anything positive about you know a net we're going to talk about so and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know the the, the fact you know the, talking about his passing um, I think I might have to delve into that a little bit I've, I've talked about Torian Prince's defense and delved into some video on that for Nets Republic but um, I'm, I'm excited to sort of have him as a role player because I think he is literally everything you want in a role player minus the defense yet yeah I agree and I think there is some intrigue in terms of like his playmaking and ability to ball hand ball handle. Because I watched, I want to say, one of his best games. I don't know if it was last season or the year prior. He faced Chicago. And he showed an ability to do a couple things with the ball that I don't think you necessarily relate to Torian Prince. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just touching on before we move on uh, in relation to off the court. Uh, as far as off the court, he was really helpful for me. I know Brooklyn doesn't have a lot of young guys. But off the court, he's a guy that's not going to be in trouble and going to be low-key as a teammate. He's a good person and a good player to be around. I think he's going to have a great season in Brooklyn. Sounds like 
the perfect type of net. Like that's the type of person they want for the organization and the culture to represent the team. And obviously it seems like he'll be a good guy in the locker room too, especially when you have a lot of personalities. Yeah. And I think that obviously, you know, being in the market of New York, you know, he's not going to get caught up in those bright lights. You know, I, these guys are adults. I don't really care. You can be J.R. Smith and hang out with Rihanna and have Hennessy, but if you perform on the court, then awesome. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, we saw in Boston, you know, when the, the team went to Miami, um, we saw, you know, the, the rumors of, or it was confirmed by, by Jack McMullen and Kyrie Irving, the young guys going out to the club while Kyrie was putting in the work. So having Torian Prince there, and obviously his established relationship with Kevin Durant, um, he's going to be a good fit on this roster no matter what. But um, we shall move on um, and we will get to Joe Harris, one of our final topics, Joe Harris and Jared Allen. Uh, have been asked to be a part of Team USA Select. And uh, D'Angelo Russell has been rumored as well. Well, I think I should ask you, how excited were you when you heard Joe Harris mention with Team USA? They are going to shoot 100% from the three-point <laughs> line. He is not going to miss a three in the FIBA tournament. I think the FIBA three, is it shorter than it is the NBA three? It may be, it may be. So uh, if that just makes it anything easier, then Joe Harris is going to have a field day if he plays any minutes. But... Um, Good recognition. Good recognition for, for the Brooklyn Nets system, uh, for Jared Allen to, to get in, sort of involved with it and just be a part of it. Establish new relationships with players and, and just the NBA brethren, I think is really positive for, for the Nets and these two individual guys. And, you know, you touched on it, Nick. D'Angelo Russell, I think, makes a lot of sense because if you're looking at the, the Team USA right now with the amount of guys that are pulling out, and you guys have chatted about on the outlet, I've been, you know, sharing some stuff on the JBT Facebook you know, you're better off going down the youth route. And D'Angelo Russell is a young guy. You know, he could be a part of Team USA uh, in the next Olympics, not the 2020 Olympics, but the 2024 and beyond because, you know, he's, he's a growing player and he is growing in stature and in talent. So um, I, I hope to see him. He's my favorite player outside of a Brooklyn Nets organization. So to see D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris uh, in Team USA, uh, it, it's, it speaks well to them individually and it speaks well to the Brooklyn Nets organization as a whole. Yeah, and I'll touch on D'Angelo first. I think, honestly, there could be a, a small possibility for him playing in 2020 if he were to really, like, pop off and show them yeah. what's up this year because he does have a really good skill set. And, you know, one of his biggest weaknesses is athleticism. And usually internationally, the you know, the players aren't as athletic as some of the NBA guys, so it could be an advantage for him there. And then I look at, you know, Joe Harris probably won't make Team USA, but getting the competition yes, – <laughs> i mean who knows maybe like farther down the line they have looked more in the role player route and he fits you know that three-point specialist if you're looking for that and then jared allen for him i think it's great getting some input from some different coaches obviously greg popovich one of the best to ever do it and then being around really good nba centers that are a little bit more developed than him sure can give him some tips and also help him just prepare for the regular nba season and i think jared allen could be a guy on team usa down the line like, you know, if you're looking, probably not 2020, but if you're looking at 2024, hey, how his game develops and how he kind of fits, he could be the perfect type of rim runner, rebounder, and just do all the small things out there when you have the other superstars worrying about scoring. Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously we'll keep an eye on that and uh, we'll report on the buzz if there's anything that is certainly confirmed. But we'll finish with uh, Kyrie Irving via Jackie McMullen. And there is no better person to look to when it comes to Kyrie Irving news than Jackie McMullen. You know, a trusted source, Kyrie speaks to to Jackie in, in many ESPN pieces and she's one of the best reporters in the game. Um, but there was a piece and she had, she was on a, a, a Boston Celtic-centric podcast um, and there were some comments that I think sort of stuck out and this is via the Nets Daily article as well. 
Um, but the, the thing that sort of stuck out was he needs to figure out how success works and how teammate works. What did you think about that specific quote before we get to some other ones, Nick? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty spot on. Like you said, Jackie McMullen is one of the best. She's extremely credible. She tells it how it is. She doesn't really have that bias. And I think it says like, you know, Kyrie wants to be a leader, but he just like almost doesn't really know how. And I think she talks about that a little bit in there. And he just needs to have a better understanding. And hopefully he can use last year at Boston as a learning experience moving forward. Yeah, and I think in relation to that, this is what she sort of said. Kyrie is a bit of a shock and awe guy, much like LeBron. Uh, passive aggressiveness to some degree um, and in relation to Al Horford. Al Horford likes to kill you with kindness, a velvet hammer, if you will. And I don't think that it registered with Kyrie. So even if he tried, I don't think it registered with Kyrie at all. So I think that that dynamic, now that you've replaced a lot, there's a, a, it's a completely different situation in Brooklyn. I kind of really like the fact that people keep discrediting Kyrie because it, it just adds more fuel to the fire. And if he does anything above these horribly low expectations from NBA pundits, then it's going to be a surprise and they're going to have to eat their own words. But I think, yeah, the leadership questions are certainly an issue, but within a new context and new environment, um, I think he's still figuring figuring that sort of stuff out, but he now doesn't have to just be the bona fide leader. You know, DeAndre Jordan has some leadership behind him. You know, Carol Savert's growing. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is a, is a nice person and obviously teammate and, and friends uh, to sort of speak to. And, you know, Spencer said that in December, he almost knew that Kai wanted to be there. And funnily enough, in the same interview with Jack McMullen, that he was, she said that she was hearing by December that Kai was frustrated with Danny Ainge. You know, Kyrie never told uh, necessarily... Jackie McMullen, why? Uh, but he, but she did say that you know she heard of rumblings uh, around the organization that she he had soured on Danny Ainge and the organization by December, despite the fact that obviously those comments before the season. So um, plenty of stuff to sort of take from this Jackie McMullen, and she's awesome. I can't speak highly enough of her, but certainly worth reading and, and listening to the podcast. And if you haven't done so, yeah, I mean some really good insight, and I think that kind of explains more, maybe. There was more issues with the Boston culture than people want to bring on. Like, it's interesting that a player would be upset with a general manager or president of basketball operations, whatever Danny Ainge's position is. And, like, that would have an impact on how he feels. Like, because there's just not necessarily always a ton of, like, contact and, like, how much of an impact he could have on Kyrie. And getting back to the Al Horford thing and the leadership, like, I think KD being there will have a positive impact, too, because there's already some positive relationship in there. And I think Kyrie, what he knows about leadership, the only thing he really knows is LeBron. And LeBron's leadership is kind of weird. Like, it's not just, like, direct. You know, he he proves what he does by on the court and working hard off the court, like his work ethic. And that's what I think Kyrie tried to do. But the Boston players didn't necessarily buy in completely on that because I think she mentions on the podcast as well that Kyrie was the hardest worker on that team. And I think he wanted his teammates to follow kind of how you saw Cleveland Cavalier players follow when LeBron was there. Yeah, and, and I think in that sort of context, you know, he was traded to Boston. And despite the fact yeah. that, you know, th- there were so many expectations on him and he loves it and he was speaking so highly of the situation, people can change their opinions. Whereas now he has chosen in free agency to be on the Brooklyn Nets, to join with DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant, to join Kenny Atkins, to Sean Marks, the organization, Spencer Dinwiddie, Carol Savert. So I think that that is the number one thing to sort of take from, you know, the, the differing situations in Boston compared to Brooklyn. I like what you said there, Nick, about, you know, Boston culture in general. I think 
the we said about Jackie Mack earlier on a, on a Brooklyn Buzz as well. The living situation, just living in Boston, is different to living in New York. You know, Kyrie can just do, can find the sort of outlets outside of basketball more easily accessible in a city like New York. You know, whatever sort of chakra, third eye bullshit that he wants to do and you know post on his instagram and stories and restaurants and all this sort of stuff he's going to find that and 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 find it around his brethren and also being close to home but the final thing that i want to touch on nick is this full quote around that sort of work ethic and and leadership thing Uh, work ethic is not the issue the issue is a warped view of how success works and how team work works he hasn't figured that out yet i don't know what will change in brooklyn if he doesn't figure that out I think his thought is, let's get everyone involved. And at the end of the game, give me the ball. The rest of you get out of the way. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely very interesting, like how, you know, that perspective. And, you know, it's fair. And that's kind of how you got the feel for Boston. Will things change to Brooklyn? Does he have, will he have more confidence in his Nets teammates because they work harder than some of the Boston guys? You know, and more points in that article, and you hinted at it with the whole Miami nightclub thing. You know, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, didn't prepare for NBA games or work as hard as they probably needed to because of some of the success they had in the recent season, the recent postseason, they felt like, Hey, we're already at this level. And it felt like it rubbed Kyrie the wrong way. And another thing that she points out is like, he kind of lost hope and faith in the Boston teammates and also in Brad Stevens as a coach with the whole Gordon Hayward situation. So it's going to be really important for his teammates to, to get get confidence from him and for Kyrie to have confidence in them and in uh, coach Kenny. Yeah, I think that that obviously you have the superstar player, you cater towards him, but you know there are so many varying situations where Kyrie is going to have to be a, a bit more flexible and malleable in himself and his personality. But I don't think that he has to change that much. I think that you know he needs to. Dev- I've said this, you know, more than any other. I think that the relationship between him and Kenny is going to speak volumes. Um, and obviously, I think Spencer can be a bridge between that. And I think already has been because, you know, Kyrie and when they were at the, the Harvard Business School would have been asking Spencer. So, you know, what's Kenny like? You know, is he is he like Brad? Like, does he have these qualities? How does he challenge you? How does he make you better? You know, um, how did he make you a better player? Does he give you freedom? All this sort of stuff. You know, I think that there are, I'm fascinated to see like what Jack Mack was sort of saying in that sort of last point. Kyrie's going to be the closer. When KD gets back, who knows? But I, I think that there needs to be an element of you know flexibility from Kyrie that I think he will have, but it's going to be fascinating in those sort of closing game situations. Whereas you know I'm incredibly confident with Kyrie and the ball in his hands in those sort of final game situations. He's proven it at the highest point in that shot over Stephen Curry, probably one of the best shots of recent memory in playoff history. Um, but you know we, we've seen you know the, the misgivings you know when the ball went to Tatum. Uh, in in that closing moments, I think it was against Sacramento or Orlando, whatever Orlando, it might be. Yep. Orlando, my bad. So when Brad Simmons is calling out a play, you know, is Coach Kenny going to be like, "Look, we want you to go for a fake and then kick the ball out to Joe Harris for three or something like that? It's going to be uh, fascinating in those sort of closing game situations because I think that's where some tension could occur. But um, I, I think without sort of any, uh, it's not going to be smooth sailing. And I don't think in any situation, especially basketball situation. Smooth sailing is ideal. You don't want to have just it all go through without dealing with any adversity along the way. I don't think you can reach the pinnacle of what the Nets want to achieve. And I think this year, as a lot of people have said, is almost like a a feeling out year. And I think it's almost positive for Kyrie Irving in that sense. Yeah, I think the relationship with Kenny is going to be huge. And just based off of some of the stuff I've read from Jackie Mack and in general, it feels like Kyrie almost would want Kenny to be his coach because Kenny's willing to challenge him 
where Brad Stevens at times was a little bit too passive. He just doesn't have that aggressive personality. But then on the other end of the spectrum too is like, I don't know a ton about Brad Stevens' relationship with his players in terms of like how much input he really takes. But we know Kenny takes input from his players, from D'Angelo Russell to Spencer Dewey to Karis Avert and some of the veterans on the team. And I think Kyrie will appreciate the fact that Kenny will listen to him on certain things and allow him to have an influence on what they do on the floor. Yeah, and I think that um, Kenny said that himself um, in the speaking to Michael K, where he's like, we want to get KD as an assistant coach. You know, yeah. I think Kyrie has an incredible basketball mind. And, and Jackie Mack, you know, when he told her that you know, he's a basketball genius, or he just said he's a genius, you know, he is a basketball genius. You, know, you see the ball in his hands. No one can do what Kyrie Irving can do on the floor. Obviously, the questions are off the floor and, and, and the rest, but um, it's going to be a fascinating season. And obviously, these are all the questions we had before we got Kyrie Irving and a lot of topics we've spoken about um, before we even acquired him in pre, pre-free pre agency book and buzzes. But um, they're going to be ongoing issues, and I'm sure we'll be talking about them over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, you know, big personalities, big time players come with a little bit of baggage, and that's what you'll see. But it's how they deal with that baggage. And like you said, you know, to get to the level the Nets want to be at, they're going to have to deal with some adversity. Definitely. Jack, that wraps it up for us. Yes, sir. As always, big thanks, everybody checking us out. You know, find us on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTG Basketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, the J Man at JBT. And then also you could follow me at OTG underscore Nick. You can follow the brand at OTG Basketball. And like we mentioned earlier, head to Design Tree slash Off the Glass. we got some Brooklyn Buzz tees, some other NBA t-shirts. Be dropping more all summer long. Don't forget to hit that bell. Get notified about every new OTG video. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.